Welcome back to our discussion on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 19. I'm going to read our passage this morning. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They, they do not labor or spin, yet I, I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word. You know, as people called to be salt and light in the world, we follow the way of Jesus through heart transformation to where our outward expressions of our faith are seen and how we respond differently to the world around us. These, these responses uh, are on display for the world to see and therefore ask why we are so different. Our faithful response uh, becomes our witness to what Christ is doing in our lives and makes us salty and lit for the world to taste and see. Last week, we transitioned into chapter 6, where Jesus calls us to question our motivations for spiritual formation, uh, for spiritually formative practices that we engage in. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to see or to be seen by them. He advocates for a secrecy in these practices where we do not even realize we are doing them. 
They're, they're merely tools focused on accomplishing an end game of Christ-likeness. Uh, the self-forgetfulness is our spirit, in our spiritual formation opens us to the Spirit's guiding in transformation. So Jesus goes uh, from chapter 5 where he's talking about the outward expressions of the faith and being and how we're seen by the world as different, as salt and light. And chapter 6 transitions into a secrecy uh, where we're called to, to not do things to be seen by others. Uh, we talked about you know, being, being givers. We talked about being people of prayer and briefly mentioned uh, what it means to, to be people who fast. Jesus has an expectation that his people will fast. Uh, this is something we've largely neglected, and, and I've talked about it at different times. And I'm not going to, if, you, if you'd like more information on fasting, I'd love to send it to you. I, I'm not going to fully get into it today, but I do want to look at the outcome of fasting, what fasting does, um, and how, this, how fasting actually applies to our passage today. Uh, splitting up this passage between last week and this week um, might miss this connection where fasting uh, shapes our, our love, uh, shapes our heart for, the, for proper things, and shapes our heart for God, uh, and it keeps us from worry. So I only you know, briefly mentioned fasting last week. But I want it to lead us into what Jesus says about our treasures and our worries. So I want to read uh, this passage on fasting real quick. It says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. But only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, and, and you might pause and, be, and ask what that reward is. Um, that reward is a sense of joy. That reward is a depth of understanding of love and joy that that sustains us in this world uh, and and there's a lot to go go in here that the reward we receive um, transitions us into treasures in heaven and fasting uh, while it may be difficult it should develop a deeper sense of joy because it connects us to the gifts which makes our lives livable. So think about what Jesus says about how God takes care of the birds and the grass. And how does that apply to fasting? Uh, fasting isn't about a uh, despising, isn't about despising our bodies and neglecting our needs. Uh, fasting, when, when you have a life of fasting, where this is a regular practice in your life. Um, I, I like the way How, Stanley Hauerwas puts it in his commentary on Matthew. He says, uh, a life of fasting is to learn to live without what I assumed I could not live without. Um, so we have an assumption about things we can't live without. And so fasting brings those things into question. Uh, fasting brings low levels of suffering 
which reveal our freedom because nothing enslaves us more than what, what we think we cannot live without. The powers of this world enslave us to our desires, cravings, personal rights, and ideals of security. Fasting reminds us that life isn't about bread, but about living on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, most of that last little section uh, comes from Hauerwas's um, commentary on Matthew. I, I really like these challenging words. Um, Hauerwas has always been a challenge for me, but it's good to have people that stretch you in your life. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this little section from him because I just won't do it justice if I put it in my own words. Uh, so this this transition from fasting to treasures, um, he says this: fasting involves the discovery of who we serve. We cannot serve God and wealth, but we will also be told that we cannot serve God and the emperor. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. There is, moreover, a, a close connection between wealth and the emperor because we believe that our wealth depends on the security offered by the emperor. After all, emperors always claim to be our benefactors. We may regret what the emperors do in the name of our security, but, but we dare not oppose them because we fear of losing what we have. Fasting is difficult, uh, not because it causes a temporary pain in the body. It's difficult because it reveals in us the tight grip we have on our things and on being the source of our own security. In his teaching on where our treasure is and our worry, he invites us on a journey of transformation. A walk with Jesus is one of calling us deeper into our transformation. It's easy to draw legalistic lines in these passages or weaponize them against others. I find it fascinatingly ironic when I read a blog criticizing the quote-unquote rich Christians for their wealth when the blog was likely written on a $1,200 laptop while sipping a $6 coffee. Richness is relative, and it is always easy to criticize those who have more than me while forgetting that I am incredibly rich by comparison to the rest of the world. Let these teachings of Jesus invite you where you are on a journey of self-examination rather than judgment and justification. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also, says Jesus. Um, does this mean you cannot have a 401k? Are you unfaithful if you have savings? There are extreme teachings on this passage that, that should not be ignored, but I don't think you get to those convictions overnight or through one blog. This, it's a journey of, of continually letting go, to, uh, of continual examination, of saying, what is it exactly that I need to live on? What, what is getting in the way of me having a relationship with Jesus that's transformative? Um, when we scratch the surface, uh, people fight for a lot of things that, that they don't actually need. But, but Jesus invites us uh, on a journey 
of relinquishing our own control. And when he does, when we do this, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But the hardest part of following Jesus is simply letting go of your stuff. Um, This is an ever-increasing journey. And one of the things that we struggle with in this, and, and this is something that I'm trying to get my mind around as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, is Jesus is creating a community of people that take care of each other, that, that live as salt and light together in community. And we've lost sight of what it means to be a Christian community uh, where Jesus calls us to take care of one another. Uh, we do benevolence as a church, but what does it mean uh, to be a church where people can live radically in a way where they, uh, where they give up everything? Uh, where you know what what does it look like if a person says, "Hey, I want to live completely at the mercy of the church. Here's everything I own. Would the church take care of them? I'm I'm not advocating for for communism because you know communism is forced on people, but I do believe it is impossible to live a life fully detached from our things if we do not have a community committed to taking care of one another. Uh, when we look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, uh, there's this picture being painted of a mutual sharing of everything where, where the whole community just sold their stuff and brought it together and then the church decided who needed what. Uh, this seems completely unrealistic to the minds of the world. This seems uh, completely unrealistic to our minds. And, and, but it's, it's a, a community that allows you to detach from your stuff. I, I love the beautiful picture of this, but it, it takes a committed group of people to live in this way. But, okay. So how do we do this? Uh, it starts with small steps. Um, I don't think we just say, okay, boom, here's the ideal, now let's go do it. It takes with steps of relinquishment, where we live in community together. Uh, So Jesus says, um, when we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, a community will form where there is no need for worry. So we've talked about our stuff. We talked about uh, how we're... um, how we're taking care of our things versus how we're taking care of ourselves and all this stuff. But, but this idea uh, comes down to when, when the kingdom and righteousness are at the first things in your mind, they're, they're the, at the forefront of your mind, seeking the kingdom, a community is going to form. Uh, this is the kind of community that stands as salt and light in and against a world where things are worshipped and people are used. Worry is in the air we breathe, so much so that we do not realize how much we worry. When our concern becomes the kingdom of God, first and foremost, we will have no need to worry about the state of the nation, the economy, culture wars, etc., 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 We don't have to worry about the very clothes we wear or the food we're going to eat because the kingdom of God always provides and the kingdom of God lasts forever and the kingdom of God will never fall. 
nations will rise and nations will disappear. Clothes will become tattered and be thrown away. But the word of the Lord stands forever and the kingdom is worth investing in. Concerning ourselves with what matters most frees us from the concerns about tomorrow found on the page of every newspaper you'll open today. We need creative people to step forward and imagine how to become the kind of community where people can let go of their treasures and their worries and embrace the peace offered to us through Jesus Christ. Let's Let's go and live out the sermon today.